electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. If you want to make friends, I'm just trying to make you a little money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and put days like today into context. Call me, 1-800-743-CBC. Tweet me, at Jim Kramer. Right, just when you think that some metric is in control of the market, it changes, at least for a moment. And the market immediately changes with it. That's how I feel about tomorrow night when we get the results of the midterm elections where the Republicans do seem likely to pick up seats. The prediction rocketed through the market all day. Soto voce, of course, leading to some very nice gains. Dow surged 424 points. S&P jumped 0.96%. Even the Nasdaq, the lowly world Nasdaq, gained 0.85%. How big could this election be for the market? Look, it wouldn't shock me if the GOP takes both chambers of Congress, but it sure looks like they'll take the House. Given that Wall Street sees President Biden as anti-business, you can expect the market's going to be thrilled with Republican victory. All aboard! Plus, Wall Street always loves divided government because it means that Washington can't do anything. They know nothing! So what exactly does it mean for us? First, the good news for the bulls, the averages have rallied after every midterm from Election Day through June 30th of next year. It's happened in every period since 1930, according to some amazing work by our great friend Joe Terranova. The gains are almost always substantial, although the last five post-midterm runs have come in on the low side, roughly the high single digits. But 100 percent, that's a pretty darn good percentage. So let's give it that historically strong pattern. Now, I also think any change of either the House or the Senate will be regarded as a sign of things to come in what could be a critical presidential election in 2024. Now, that's a big deal for the stock market because Joe Biden is not a friend of the market. In fact, I've never seen a president in my life who cares less about stocks. Something even mentioned to me a couple decades ago when we were riding together on Amtrak to Washington. Personally, I think it's kind of admirable that Biden doesn't take his cue from the averages. But my opinion means nothing here. Wall Street hates it, especially in comparison to the last guy, who explicitly measures performance by the size of the gains in the stock market. Something he pointed out on an almost daily basis. So, 
you should indeed get a pop on Wednesday if the Republicans take it. What's the biggest winners going to be? Okay, first, oil and gas, simply the drillers or oil service place, including Halliburton, which we own for the Travel Trust, which, of course, you can find out more by joining the club, the NBC, the CBC Investing Club. And I do wish you joined. And then, of course, there's SLB. That's the old Slumberjay. They rang the bell on Friday. Next up will be the oil and gas producers, different from the service companies, that need more pipelines to bring their product to market. Banks are also big winners because a GOP win means less regulation. The Biden administration is considered incredibly anti, anti-bank. So you might want to buy the majors, J.P. Morgan, Bank of America, or Wells Fargo, the latter being a big position in the travel trust. These stocks have been moving up, up, up because of the Fed's increases in fund rates, but also in anticipation of big GOP victories tomorrow night. Finally, we can expect that the freeze and mergers would thaw immediately upon the election of a Republican president. Right now, the only deals we see are private equity firms taking down publicly traded companies. It's very rare that two publicly traded companies try to merge. And when they do, it's very hard for them to survive the gauntlet of Lena Khan from the FTC and Jonathan Kanner, the assistant attorney general in charge of antitrust for the Justice Department. However, and in many ways, this is more important and not talked about at all. There is a bear case here, too. First, if we get a divided government, the non-elected executive agencies may really double down the criticism of big businesses. That's especially true if they sense Biden's re-election might be in danger. For instance, I expect the FTC, as I just mentioned, to fight Kroger's attempt to uh, of acquisition of Albertsons, even as there's not much overlap, and the new Kroger would be all union, which you think would be good for Democrats, right? It's a big win. So the next two years could be incredibly negative for M&A. Not good for Goldman Sachs, even as it had some serious outperformance of late. These Fed officials care about what you would happen to your paycheck if an anti-competitive deal is approved. You may not like that as a shareholder, but that is the law of the land. So go try to change the law if you want to. Second, I'd expect the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, or FERC, to do everything in its power to stop any new pipelines the oil industry wants. They certainly have the power to do it. My one hope here is that if Biden wants to get reelected, he needs lower gas prices and more pipeline capacity can make that happen. There's only, one, only so much oil he can release from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. If he stops depleting it, uh, it, I actually think gasoline prices would spike rather rapidly. Third, I could easily see an investigation of the banks for not passing on more of the profits they're making from investing in risk-free treasuries at a very high yield, but paying you much less for your, the deposits in your savings account. Now, the gains do seem unfair. They're kind of the, I don't know, what do you call it, the collateral damage from the Fed's plan to slow uh, slow down the economy. So you have to wonder if the president won't call for an examination of what you make by keeping your account with a bank. It's an incredibly unsophisticated way to look at the things, not rigorous at all, but a layup politically. Fourth, coal is currently a very important line item for the railroads. It's been a huge boost to the bottom line, especially for CSX, which helps export a great deal of this stuff worldwide. But the president's hatred of coal could lead to a tariff. And if he wants to escalate things with China, he could potentially ban the sale of any U.S. coal that might end up there. Hey, speaking of China, when Trump was president, he chose to be tough on China by slapping tariffs on all sorts of goods that we import from the PRC. Biden, on the other hand, has targeted the Chinese tech industry because it's an adjunct to their military, which has designs on Taiwan, where a gigantic percentage of the world's semiconductors are made. I bet we see a pop in the semis and semi-equipment makers if there's a Republican sweep. But... That's going to be short-lived as the executive agencies keep ramping up sanctions. Now, the biggest t- issue, hopefully that will test the Terranova post-midterm thesis, 
is the funding of the debt. This is what a lot of people are talking about. Remember, the debt ceiling crisis from 2011, the last time the Republicans took over Congress with a Democratic president, could happen again. What a disaster. We might need to worry about the government defaulting on its debt, not because we can't afford it, but because our political institutions are a mess. Maybe we even get hit with some credit downgrades from the big rating agencies. Did it before. This is what I'm most worried about, by, about divided government. The market took a 19% hit the last time we had this fiasco 11 years ago. I think it'll play havoc with the averages. But we came out of it the last one just fine, so I recommend being ready to buy, not sell, after the debt ceiling crisis gets resolved recognizing that it'll really end up being Treasury theater. In the end, I think it, today's, today's move was a knee-jerk presumption that a Republican victory tomorrow night will definitely lead to higher stock prices. It ignores the fact that there are executive agencies and those agencies aren't particularly accountable to Congress. If anything, they might dig in their heels if they think it helps them going into 2024. Plus, it also ignores the possibility of another debt ceiling crisis. So the bottom line, if the market keeps running tomorrow in anticipation of Republican sweep, well, you need to be aware that we've already had a big move, and it might be, well, we might, that may be all we're entitled to for now, unless rates go lower, which they're not, or earnings get better, which they haven't, because there's a lot that stays the same even when Congress changes hands. Let's go to Shannon in South Carolina. Shannon. Hey, Jim, we love you in South Carolina. Oh, thank you. I like the barbecue in South Carolina. Fantastic. Fantastic barbecue. Out of the world. Yeah. I'm asking you about um, Block, the artist formerly known as Square. Yes. And a three to five year time horizon on that. Well, I've got to tell you, that's a fintech company, and the fintech companies are still, even after this, incredibly overvalued because they're all competing with each other. Here's a $37 billion company, and maybe it should be a $20 billion company. There's no telling what it's worth because it doesn't make any money. So, uh, And when it does make money, it's incredibly overvalued on the outdoors. Let's go to David in Pennsylvania. David. Booyah, Jim. Shout out from the Philadelphia suburbs. Uh, oh, absolutely. Get- absolutely. Go ahead. <laughs> Hoping to ride the Eagles wave all the way to February the Super Bowl. Well, we don't want to change them, but I'm with you. What's up? <laughs> I wanted to get your take on a couple of e- uh, e- e-commerce stocks, specifically one, Shopify. Um, specifically, how it compares to its giant competitor, Amazon? Okay, I think Shopify, like Etsy, are two survivors in this period. What they're valued at is hard. This one's valued at $34 billion. But it is, it, it, it is the power behind so many small businesses that I think it is worth something. And if anything, it's worth more than what it is selling for. All right. If the market keeps running tomorrow in anticipation of Republican sweep, you need to be aware that we've already had a big move based exactly on that happening. On me tonight, shoppers looking for a bargain head to the outlets, but could an investment in outlet REIT Tanger presented bargain for home gamers. I'm checking with the CEO. And how much worse could it get for big tech names after this year's tumble? We got a little bit of an exciting turn today. Well, let's check out the charts to see. And NYSource fell today after investor day. So are investors getting a buying opportunity in a regulated utility company that's been very consistent for many years? I'm getting the latest from the company's top brass. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. 
Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This has been a, a bad year for a lot of the mall retailers. But uh, the worse things get for the industry in general, the better things get for the off-price chains that buy up excess inventory from the big chains for next to nothing. And more importantly, for the point of this interview, it's, more, it's a great opportunity for Tanger Factory Alice Centers, long a favorite of Mad Money, the real estate investment trust that owns or manages 37 upscale open-air outlets. We find all sorts of off-price mer- merchandise. I happen to love mine in Riverhead, Long Island. Tanger's tenants are the outlet versions of the name-brand retailers that offer their customers tremendous value. And that's what works here. Sure enough, when the company reported last week, they gave you a comfortable bottom line beat while also raising the full year forecast. Even better, Tanger's occupancy rate is back up to 96.5 percent, approaching pre-pandemic levels. Their same store sales, uh, well, same center net operating income, which is what I like to look at, is up more than 5 percent year to date. And on top of that, they pay you a big dividend that yields 4.7 percent. And the dividend keeps going up and not because the stock's going down. So take it from me. Let's t- speak to Stephen Yaloff. He's the president and CEO of Tanger Factory Outlets. He had a better read in the quarter and what he sees going forward. Mr. Yaloff, welcome to Man Money. Thank you very much. Great to be here. OK, so, Stephen, one thing is absolutely certain, and we know that from your predecessor, from Mr. Tanger, you seem to be uh, in the catbird seat. There are companies that really want to be able to get rid of their own merchandise, and they want to do it at their own stores, not just dump it off into the channel. And you also have tremendous growth, uh, including Nashville and Palm Beach. It seems like, if you don't mind my saying it, that 
that there's a lot of people who go to your place who actually, you know, doing pretty well, looking for the real bargains, and you have them. That's right. Well, our customer's a value shopper. They want brand at value, and we live at the intersection of those two things, where brand meets value. And, you know, we're, we're not a discount we're not a discount retail company. We're not selling commodity at a price. We're selling the best brands at the best possible price every single day. And take this uh, holiday season with promotion on top of it, we're going to be the only place to shop. And yet, at the same time, and we, I, I just came back from Palm Beach, and i got to tell you, Palm Beach is not an area of uh, inexpensive area. Again, that kind of in the same way that you're right next to the, the Hamptons, you've got the, those locations that are for, like, say, a rainy day for wealthy people. A lot of them are like that. That's right. I, and if you take a look at the lineup of brands that we have in those shopping centers, too, those are the brands they want. Ralph Lauren, Michael Kors, Coach, Nike, Under Armour. Best brands, best national brands, international brands, and the customer is coming. And not only that, they're staying. And they're staying because we're doing a much better job of adding food and beverage. Outlets in the past... The food and beverage business was non-existent. Right. But now we're thinking about that. We're adding better experiences. We're better amenities be for the terrific. customer, et cetera. We get them to stay a lot longer, build bigger baskets, spend more money when they're there. What I thought was interesting was you made a point on Comscore. You said, look, I mean, we know that there's lots of talk about retail being in trouble at the mall. Very few retailers are closing stores. So it's not like you're looking at your list of tenants and you should be worried about them. And even like I know a gap's big for you. But there's nothing that says that Gap, Gap the store's not doing that well, but Gap the balance sheet's not bad. Well, you know, don't forget, Gap's three brands. Right. They're Gap, they're Old Navy, and they're Banana Republic. And, you know, Athleta, and Athleta is new to the outlet business and starting to roll out. And I think that they're going to be a future occupier of a lot of space on a going forward basis. But for right now, you take a look at Banana Republic. People are dressing to go back to work. Right. People are dressing for events. People are dressing to travel. And Banana Republic is definitely reaping the benefits of that. Okay, now Premium has got some that, you know, Loft, Ann Taylor, Lane Bryant, Talbots. Historically, the management of that company did have some tough times. But you're okay with them. They're, four point, they're, uh, they're pretty important leaser, uh, lesser of your uh, gross leasable area. We okay there? Yeah, we're fine. And in fact, some of those brands have some of the biggest comps over the last year. Again, going back to dressing for work, dressing for events, dressing for, for travel. That's right in the sweet spot of what those brands are delivering to their customers. And uh, Simon Properties, we're very close to Simon. Uh, Spark Group is actually Simon and their Aeropostale, uh, Brooks Brothers, uh, Lucky Brands. Are there enough locations in Simon Properties' own discount that, uh, that they uh, could take these back or they, they need you? You know, they've, they've got pretty sophisticated real estate people right. over on their side, and they're doing a really good job. As for us, they want to be in our shopping centers, too. Brooks Brothers is a great example of a brand that not only has uh, renewed a lot of leases right. with us, but they, they continue to grow the portfolio. It's a really important brand for us. Um, and once again, benefiting from that dress for work and, uh, and events, et cetera. So those brands, a lot of the brands that they have are really successful, particularly right now. And, now, and starting to see you them. can go to a Williams-Sonoma. I've talked about this with, with Laura Albert, who's the CEO. The Williamson outlet that I go to, Riverhead, mm-hmm. they've got $1,000 uh, merchandise, uh, but it's a channel for them, and it's a very important channel for That's them, right. and they don't want it to just go out into Ollie's bargain. Do you find there are a lot of companies like that that don't want to see their stuff at an Ollie's, that really would prefer to see themselves at their own, so it doesn't... It doesn't bring down their own brand? I think that's part of the leasing pitch. Right. I mean, we're getting out in front of new brands. That's the first thing that we talk about is you can control your product. Right. You can control the placement. You can control the pricing. Not a lot of channels allow you to do that. Right. You go into one of those big boxes. It's, classify, uh, it's classification merchandising. 
polo shirt is a polo shirt is a polo shirt, one right after the next. You spend all this money to differentiate your brand from the competition, right? You want to make sure you're putting it in your own environment, in its own lifestyle, where everybody has an opportunity to buy the things they want. If they're a fan of a brand, they can buy the entire brand from children's to, uh, to grandparents, to home, to beach, to everything. Everything. Now, uh, look, I'm not I mean, too critical of the analyst community, but they never add, noticed that you raised the dividend twice. I mean, obviously you raised the dividend twice. You don't, it's not because you think you're going to do poorly. I mean, that was a, that's a very aggressive decision that had to be based on the fact that you looked at long-term order book because you can't, you know, you can't change the dividend. You must look long-term order book and realize that you can afford to pay more. Well, we... First of all, returning, returning to shareholders is a great use of capital for us. But additionally, we, we feel pretty good about our, rice, our, our rents and our pricing power. Right now, uh, our rents are at a low 8.5% OCR, probably one of the lowest in any retail channel right now. And historically, we're probably low double digits, so we have an opportunity to continue to push those rents. We've had six consecutive quarters of rent spread growth. And it's just from pushing rents. And we're finding that the retailers, first of all, you said it earlier, in that renewals, they're not closing stores right now. The, full, the, the stores are built, they're depreciated, they're cash flowing positively. And not a lot of retailers are going to close a positive cash flowing store, especially if they have to re- spend capital in order to replace that store. Well, I don't know. I, I just feel you justify, once again, our confidence in, in your company, which is long standing. I'm talking about 2007 is when we first decided that we liked your stock. That Steve, y'all. Steve Yaloff, and he's Tanger. And you, you might remember Steve Tanger, still with, still executive, Absolutely. executive chairman. Yes. But Steve Yaloff is now the CEO and president of Tanger Outlet. And we like the stock, SKT. And money's back there for Coming up, no need to get bent out of shape. Kramer checks the charts of Amazon and more. Next. The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge, and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. How much worse can things get for the big tech titans now that they've collapsed? And I'm not talking about today's bounce. See, the last couple of weeks have been downright apocalyptic for so many tech companies that we used to think of as consistent winners, kind of secular growth businesses that worked in both good times and bad times. Not anymore, though. 
With a few exceptions, the fundamentals have gotten much worse for Fang and friends. But it's not just that the numbers are ugly. These stocks went out of style, the Wall Street Fashion Show, a year ago. Yeah, literally a year ago this week. And this earnings season has confirmed that Wall Street made the right call. Now, despite today's pop, things have gotten very ugly. And there's also a psychological component because these big tech outfits keep making their biggest supporters look like morons. That makes everything a lot harder for their stocks. How much harder? Okay, tonight, because we've got to be objective about this, we're going to go off the charts with the help of Carolyn Baroden. Now, she is a brilliant technician. She teaches at the IM Academy SFX, the Stocks and Futures Academy, because we've got to get a better read on what's happening with big tech. And I've got to tell you, I can turn to her because this group is so confounding. Specifically, we want to look at three of them. We want to look at Amazon, Alphabet, and NVIDIA. First, though, you need to understand what's changed. Take a look at this daily chart of Amazon. This is going to be, this is going to blow your mind. Uh, from back in 2020, the good old days, the halcyon days, at least for this particular breed of Internet stock. Obviously, not so uh, good if you were living through it. Broden says this is the old paradigm, where Amazon had an incredibly bullish technical setup. The stock was in great shape constantly, making a general pattern of higher highs and higher lows, exactly what you want to see. At the same time, the stock was trading above both its 200-day moving average and its 50-day. So you've seen it's got to be above this and this pretty much. Well, look, look at this all the time. Plus, Broden likes to look at a particular buy trigger. When the five-day exponential moving average, the blue line, okay, crosses above the 13-day. And boy, have we ever seen that. Look at this. So clear, right? Every time. Red line, which says, this, you got to pass, got to pass, got to pass, got to pass. Always right. Uh, That's when she thinks that it's a great setup. It's exactly what we had in Amazon two years ago. So what did we get? We got one of the greatest rallies I've ever seen in my whole life. More importantly, every time Amazon pulled back in 2020, you could safely buy the dips and you'd make out like a bandit. It was a great playbook then and for most of 2021. But it keeps getting people killed in 2022. So let's take a look at 2022. Check out Amazon's daily chart for this year. Broden points out that it's almost the exact opposite of what we were looking at in 2020. Amazon's made a series of lower lows and lower highs, forming a clear negative pattern. See? Lower, 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 lower. The stock's below both its 200-day, that's this one, and its 50-day, that's this one. Uh, These are crucial. Her exponential moving average trigger, the 5-day versus the 13-day, it's now in bear mode. That's this crosses that. Okay. And uh, it's underneath the 30 day. This is terrible. Take a look at that. Everything that could be wrong is wrong with this stock. In Broden's view, this kind of chart absolutely does not support buying the dips. She thinks you're taking your life in your hands if you do that, even after the stock's been eviscerated the past couple of weeks. Or like me, think it's an unbelievable long-term picture. As Broden sees it, there's nothing in this picture to suggest that Amazon's ready to bottom now. That said, there's one more thing she's looking at here. Roden likes to take pass. Uh, she likes to take into account past swings in a stock, then run them through the prism of Fibonacci ratios to project future moves, both in terms of their scale, price, and their duration, time. Right now, she says Amazon's got a cluster of Fibonacci time cycles coming up, which means there, there's a chance the stock could potentially make an important low this week. However, even if Amazon can temporarily find its footing, Roden thinks the overall pattern here is so negative then a rally would be short-lived. If the stock does bounce, yep, she recommends that you ring the register. What could make her turn more positive on Amazon? 
Well, the first thing that would have to change is the exponential moving average crossover. Um, and we talked about that. That's right here. Um, uh, she'd want a few days of upside that would allow the five-day to cross back above the 13-day. That would be the first indication of a short-term rally. But again, that by itself doesn't mean the stock's bottom. So we don't necessarily, if it goes up like that, we're ne- not necessarily going to call bottom. So um, what can I say? I look at it, and I think if they made the big, big cuts that they need to make, then we'd see this break out. Clearly, she does not agree with my thinking. Next up. How about the daily chart of Alphabet, the artist formerly known as Google, where I think they're getting disciplined. Broden says this one's in a similar position. Alphabet's trading below both the 200-day and the 50-day moving averages. Let me see that. The 200-day is this. this, this. And by the way, let's call it, let's not miss words, appreciably below. It's got a general pattern of lower lows and lower highs. Again, that's what we see over and over and over. Very, very negative. Exactly what they hate. Chartist. The five-day exponential moving average is below the 13-day. Again, just awful. And that's, remember, her personal sell signal. She's saying sell this. In her view, like so many other big tech names, quite a lot of technical damage has been done to Alphabet, especially over the past few weeks. They've turned real bearish, and Broden doesn't believe that they can shift back to bull mode overnight. Of course, she thinks it's possible to get some oversold rallies here. The stock has a lot of resistance on the way up, though. You've got a bunch of ceilings running from eight from. 88 to 93. That's pretty far from here. Uh, given the lack of anything bullish in this chart, uh, Broden wouldn't bet on Alphabet breaking through this ceiling. She's uh, so negative. Now, there is one horrifically beaten down tech stock that's actually showing signs of improvement, and that one is NVIDIA. Although Broden stresses that this one's still not out of the woods. After spending roughly a year lost in the wilderness, NVIDIA's recently started bouncing. Which is really incredible because, boy, it's bounced on bad news. Uh, in fact, the five-day exponential moving average uh, has now crossed above the 13-day. I don't want to obscure that. That's, the, that's crossed above the 13-day. And that's Broden's buy trigger. It's fired. While the long-term pattern in NVIDIA, though, is still heinous, and that's the long-term is this one, okay, down, down. You know, look at that, down, 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 okay. Uh, Broden says the short-term pattern looks a lot better. Since the October lows, the stock's actually made a pattern of higher highs and higher lows. This is important for me because they pre-announced. They pre-announced a bad quarter, and then they didn't, did it, and it wasn't good in the stock bottom. That's very positive to me. That's only a possibility. Broden also says NVIDIA's not out of the woods yet because the stock's still trading below its 200-day moving average, which is very far above here. Uh, and, of course, the longer-term pattern going back to last year remains incredibly bearish. Even if NVIDIA can maintain its recent momentum, she points out that the stock's facing major ceiling of resistance between 147 and 150, another ceiling around 152. So it needs to jump some serious hurdles if it's going to get its groove back, and that's pretty hard to imagine. If you want to make a short-term bet on NVIDIA here, she actually sanctions it, but she does say it's a big risk. I say that as someone who's a big believer in this one longer term. Then again, as I've told club, investing club members endlessly, this simply isn't a good market for the semiconductor stocks. And she, I can tell you, the bounce, even though she says it's the best one, I certainly, when I've sat down and thought about all the stuff she's saying, uh, it, it's uh, inconclusive. Bottom line, the big tech stocks have been hammered from their highs, but the charts interpreted by Carolyn Broden suggests it probably isn't safe to start bottom fishing, even if those charts begin to improve a bit. Amazon and Alphabet simply aren't in buy-the-dip situation. Like I said, a little bit more positive about NVIDIA because it started to turn. But she says don't get your hopes up for too long. I hope that's not the case. 
Doug in North Carolina. Doug. Hey, booyah, buddy. How you doing, Drip? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm doing good. Doing good. Hey, Jim, what are your thoughts on the home builders, in particular DHI? You know, they seem to be holding up, even though the market itself seems to have had the emergency break pulled on it. We've got earnings coming up this Wednesday. Kind of wanted to see your thoughts on on them, as well as uh, Lennar and KBH and the, the sure. sector as a whole. I mean, the, you know, this is one of those situations, frankly, Doug, where the stock should be lower. Uh, the increase in mortgage rates is so aggressive that it's very hard for me to hear them say anything good. Uh, maybe this time's different and they've gotten their act together better, but I think the canceling rates are going to be very high. I don't want to own them going into this quarter. I think we buy them after. Probably get them cheaper. Let's go to Marcus in New Mexico, please. Marcus. Jim, let's get that uh, amusement park here in New Mexico. What do you say? I am telling you, i got 300,000 acres all set for Disney. They just don't seem to be listening to me. How can I help? Hey, I got a quick question for you. Uh, ETN or ABB, both plays on electrification and the grid, similar wow. margins. ABB is cheaper, better dividend, but ETN has had better five-year stock Look, performance. What do you say? That Eaton conference call was a thing of beauty, and they are the EV charging stage. They are all the equipment you need to be able to convert this whole country into a, a, a situation where we could be solar generated. It's much more better than Germany. Hey, it's always sunny in Germany, like 27% of the time for heaven's sake. Right. Anyway, I like your call. The charts, as interpreted by Carolyn Broden, suggest it isn't safe to, stri- to, to make a bottom fishing call in tech. Amazon and Outfit aren't in the buy-the-dip situations. NVIDIA, a little bit different. The much more made money at, including my exclusive with Nysource. In the face of market volatility, maybe we should be thinking about a utility company like Nysource. I'm learning more about the story myself with the company CEO. And FinTech used to, FinTech used to be a market darling. So could new fears surrounding the sustainability of the co-op be warranted? I'll give you my take. And of course, all your calls rapid fire tonight's edition of the lightning round. So stay with Kramer. today to the stock of Nysource, one of the largest fully regulated utilities in America. For the past year, the utilities have been the second best performing group in the market because these are the kind of consistent dividend stocks that you're supposed to circle the wagons around during a Fed-mandated slowdown. While Nysource reported a solid quarter with decent forecasts, they also held an investor event right here at the New York Stock Exchange where they announced the, re- the results from a business review, introduced new long-term forecasts, also talked about going net zero on carbon emissions pretty soon, 2040. Now, given that the stock plunged nearly 6% today, it sure seems like Wall Street might have been skeptical of the plan, although the whole utility group also got hit by the negative pin action from Dominion Energy. So maybe the real problem was just timing. That's why we need to take a closer look with Lloyd Yates. He's the president and CEO of Nysource. Learn more about the quarter and where his company's headed. Mr. Yates, welcome to Man Money. Good, good to see you, Jim. Well, it is an, it's an honor to have you on. Nysource has been a stock I've been recommending since the early 80s mm-hmm. when I was at Goldman Sachs for tremendous consistency. Now, I want to be sure there was nothing that was said today that I see that had anything to do with the consistency of continuing to pay a good dividend. That's right, Jim. You know, we, we laid out a good long-term plan, 6 to 8% growth over the next five years between 2023 and 2027 with 8% to 10% rate-based growth. So we still believe we're a very good long-term investment. And the areas that you're in, I'm talking about Indiana, Kentucky, Ohio, Virginia, Pennsylvania, Maryland, these are all areas of great growth in our country, aren't they? So there's some customer growth in our areas. We, we grow about a half percent per year with respect to customers. But the important thing is the customers there use a lot of energy. They use a lot of electric and they use a lot of natural gas 
So we're excited about our prospects and all the jurisdictions we serve. Now Great you, jurisdictions. But you do have a tremendous uh, wheel turn that you've got to do, big lift, coal into uh, what I think was a hydro, mm-hmm. it's a lot of really great stuff, mm-hmm. alternative energy. How's that going to go? Because maybe people, I'm trying to figure out, are people skeptical that you can make that transition? No, I think there's a lot of confidence. We have 14 renewable projects going on in the state of Indiana. We're retiring all coal and our NIPSCO utility by 2028. Those projects are on schedule. Really excited about that. And what the customers will see is an increase for the renewables, but a decrease as we shut down those coal plants and we don't have to buy coal and natural gas to fire those plants anymore. So it'll be a huge benefit for our customers in the long term. Now, I'll tell you, I, I, you know, look, I, I don't think it's an issue to say that coal obviously is dirtier than <laughs> solar, but I, we always worry now about Germany. And mm-hmm. did Germany go too fast? Is this something that you should be concerned about as a, if you're a rate payer mm-hmm. or if you're a shareholder of, of, of NYSource? So I think that Germany is important, but I think what's really important for our customers in NYSource to be concerned about is we have reliable, affordable, clean energy set for our customers in the NIPSCO area for the long term. All right, I'm glad you mentioned affordable. Last week we had a couple of restaurants saying that they missed their quarters because of a cheesecake factory, mm-hmm. because energy costs have gotten too high. Have you been able to keep energy costs pretty stable, even though natural gas went up a lot in the last quarter? We have been, you have been. Be able to keep energy costs pretty stable, but the commodity prices where the cost is going right. up. The cost of natural gas today was over $7. So we're trying to, what we're working on is really being able in a position to help our customers through the winter. Are there people who are asking for a break right now? Well, what they're asking for is help. They're asking for programs on energy efficiency. We, oh. we're, they're asking for communication. They're asking for payment arrangements. And what we're doing is proactively arranging to provide all those things. But NYSource's objective is to help our customers manage this transition. Now, uh, on the one hand, we had an employment number on Friday, which is really incredibly strong. On the other hand, we have many people who live paycheck to paycheck, and people often forget that. Are the paycheck to paycheck people really getting hurt here? Uh, I think what, 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 so what's really going on in the industry for us, especially with the commodity prices real high, is the paycheck to paycheck people are really challenged for, for this short period of time. Over a long period of time, we expect the commodity prices to go down. But again, we are here to help the paycheck to paycheck people get through the winter and make sure they have the affordable, reliable energy they need. Okay, now you, do, you are selling some NIPSCO. I remember mm-hmm. NIPSCO is private, come to bring it out a little public. Uh-huh. And you also mentioned that if you needed to, you could do some at-the-market sales of stock. Now, as someone who likes a nice source of the stock, I don't mm-hmm. know if I really want that pressure of the at-the-market yeah. sales of stock, but the NIPSCO seems to give you a lot of breathing room just in case you ever need it. Yeah. So what we announced today as part of our strategic review process is that we're going to sell up to 19.9% of our NIPSCO utility in a tax-efficient way. Mm-hmm. What that does is it allows us to not issue at-the-market stock until Good. after 2025. So that gives us a lot of room to work and keeps us relatively stable. Now, uh, since 2015, a continually increase mm-hmm. in dividend. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that's up to the board, but I didn't see anything today that made me feel like that the stock should be down this much other mm-hmm. than Dominion, because mm-hmm. it wasn't like you said, you know what, we have to take a pause in the dividend. Right. So, I mean, the Dominion, maybe that was just the bounce back. Dominion's a good company, and you know them well because you've got some adjacencies. Mm-hmm. But it seems like you guys are on more solid footing. So what I can tell you about you know, NYSource is we're committed to our dividend, 60 to 70% payout ratio. 
over the next five years, and we're positioned to continue with that endeavor. Now, you do have, uh, when I look at where you are in Ohio, you're right there with Utica. Does it matter? Because you're not really in the transmission business. Yeah. Does it matter that the Utica's right there? It does matter. It gives us a competitive advantage. The closer you are to that, those available gas reserve, reserves gives you a competitive option on the price for natural gas. So our, our customers pay slightly less than customers who are not near Utica. Well, I, I got to tell you, I think it literally... Unfortunately, Dominion said some things today that really did color what happened at Dysorts because I was going through this back question. There's nothing in here that isn't anything other than positive unless people feel it's going to be too much of a stretch to become uh, all this natural. But it sounds like you got that under control. We're excited about the future. We're excited about the prospects. Our strategic plan was good. And we're excited to execute on it. And the one thing people need to know is that you may think he's a Colt fan, maybe Ohio fan, but he's from Norristown, the adjacent town where I'm from. He's an Eagle fan. That's Lloyd Yates, president and CEO of Nysort. Go Thank Eagles. You so much. Go Birds. <laughs> Coming up, Kramer takes your calls, and the sky is the limit. It's a fast fire lightning round. Next. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski? Dang, time for the lightning round. Let's start with Danielle in New Jersey. Danielle. Hi, Jim. Thank you for taking my call. I love your show. Um, oh, thank you, Danielle. A small, uh, a small cap energy stock that I'm considering, but I would love to get your opinion, please, on Ring Energy. It is a small cap. It's, a, it's, a, it's not a dice roll because it's a legitimate company. I do prefer something that gives you that dividend. You know, in the investing club, we bought the Kotara. See, that is the better one. It's got a good yield. It's 50% oil, 50% enough to get. So as we told members of the investing club, it's Kotara is the one to buy. How about Dave in Illinois? Dave. Dr. Kramer, my mad Mescal friend. Dave. Not a bad market day today. No, and Justin feels look good. I'm telling you, he might have some game. What's going on? This stock hits the sweet spot of the market, healthcare, and is a cash flow horse. So, Dr. C, am I reaching for a falling knife? Lanthius Holdings, LNT. No, no, Lanthius Holdings, Dave. Once again, you surprised me coming to a good name. I was going to hit you with the Danaher. That's an investing club name, and you know the club. But I think that Lanthius is a really good idea, and you always bring it. You always bring it when you come to show. Not only Justin Fields, who really showed up with him. She showed up yesterday. Let's go to Bill in Florida. Bill. Hey, Jim. Yeah, this is Bill, Florida. Yeah, the question Bill. I've got is about uh, a stock called Kindrel. It, it's a little KD. And it was, yeah, it's a reseller, uh, it was, IBM reseller. I, I know that uh, Martin Schroeder would say it's a lot more than that, but, you know, I got to like be conscious of the fact the stock's been not, not that good. However, the stock does seem to be bottoming, and I think Martin is shrewd enough to be able to take out some costs and get this thing rolling. So a $9 stock was up big today. It was up uh, almost 10%. If it comes down a little, maybe do a little, you know, a little juking. I think you'll make some money. Let's go to uh, Jamie in California. Jamie. Booyah, Hi, Jim. Booyah. What's up? I'm going to keep oh, it short you. and sweet. I would okay. just like to know about Super AR and Tara Resources. All right. And Tara is very, very cheap. I am saying, as you know, because you remember the club, that Kotara's got that combination of dividend and growth that I like so much and was, was misinterpreted on Friday when they reported. But Intero's very inexpensive, and I'm not going to say anything bad about it. Now let's go to Daniel 
in New York. Daniel, my brother. How are you? How you doing? Very Daniel, well. I'm good. Show. How are you? Amazing Thank you. show. Great show. Been, been amazing Thank you. I've been watching it the last 10 years. Excellent. Question for you. Thank you. Tesla, what do you think is going to happen? All right, Tesla's got the worst chart I've ever seen, and that is what's driving things. I'm still a believer. People are very worried that uh, Mr. Musk has to sell a lot of Tesla in order to be able to pay whatever he hasn't paid for the, for the uh, Twitter. I say that Tesla is, is not cheap, but I, I'm not going to let the chart determine the fact that I think it's a decent situation. And that, ladies and gentlemen, the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, if this sector needed a loan, could it reject its own application? What to make of the fintech tumble? Next. That fintech death rattle, it never seems to end. We've witnessed a stunning decline in financial technology stocks. Affirm the buy now, pay later outfit has plunged from $176 to $15 since most tech names peaked roughly a year ago. The buy now, never pay joke makes the rounds a couple of times a week. Upstart, the company that uses artificial intelligence to sort out bars, has plummeted from 4 to 1 to 18 over the same period. All time low. Looks like the borrowers, well, they approve they might not have good credit, or at least as good a credit as we thought when the rates rise suddenly. Their bad loans have jumped to critical levels. Of course, they emphatically disagree. Then there's SoFi Technologies, which is like a digital bank with a healthy account base, not to mention a stadium, but its stock has fallen 28 to 5. Coinbase, which by nature is fintech, has collapsed from 4 to 29 to just under 57. PayPal's legitimate business, but their margins have been shredded, and the stock's gone from 310 last summer to 77 now. That's what happens when you grow much more slowly than you used to, more slowly than Wall Street expects. Square, the payment technology firm now known as Block, a company I talked about earlier in the show, has sunk from 289 to 62. These are stunning. These, there's two things you need to know about all these fintech companies. First, they've ceased to wow us with innovation, in part because there was nothing much left to invent anyway. Second, they're probably all overstaffed, given the fact that they thought business was on fire until the Fed pivoted a year ago. Sure, people have emulated their best offerings. Apple's about to launch Buy Now, Pay Later. Hey, listen, if you don't pay them, they maybe take your phone back. But at the end of the day, there wasn't much new under the sun when it comes to finance. And if you do come up with something new, it probably doesn't work very well in a period of rapidly rising rates. They are just plain dangerous. Then there's the digital real estate plays. So many companies tried to tell us that we needed better technology to make this industry more efficient. Now, we know DocuSign made a ton of sense as a way to close real estate deals during the pandemic, but the COVID stocks are all hated post-pandemic. As for the others, I don't know, let's just pick two that are pretty obvious, Compass and Zillow. They uh, both made broad fintech claims. They've been horrendous. Compass has plunged from $22 in the day of its IPO to two, two bucks. Mm, Jefferson's on the two, I think. Zillow, which got into flipping homes at the exact wrong time, has seen its stock fall from 212 at its February 2021 highs to 33, even as they abandoned the home selling biz. Even without that, they're struggling. I didn't like that last quarter because of the newfound slowdown in home sales. By the way, the conference call was just horrendous. Still, it is hard to top Carvana when it comes to fintech. This digital used car retailer made a ton of sense when used cars were hot. Now, though, because of higher interest rates, sales are falling fast. Used cars depreciated substantially last month. Carvana stock was at $376 during the summer of 2021. It hit $7 today. Many analysts are concerned about its ability to survive, even if the company raised a bunch of money at much higher levels not that long ago. Last week, Adam Jonas, the fiery auto analyst at J.P. Morgan, wrote a piece titled, 
funding outcomes uncertain, removing rating and price target. And he laid out a bear case for Carvana that would put the stock at just uh, 10 cents. A dime. Yikes. Now, hope springs eternal in the fintech world, right? And this fintech uh, car company's founders are hopeful they can sell some real estate to meet their capital needs. Carvana's automated used car vendor model, which included allowing you to just to buy a used car and take it back from, your, from the garage. Hey, by the way, I, I, it seems too difficult in an environment where it's much harder to get financing. I tried it once. It was good, but whatever. Garcia, the CEO, told such a negative story last week that the stock was halted for trading at one point today because sellers overwhelmed buyers. It was what I call disconcerting. How much worse can it get for fintech? I think it's fair to say that all the king's horses and all the king's men could not put the money you lost on this group together again. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow! This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.